And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin. I'm joined here tonight by Pascal. Paz, how you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, good, good. And um, Juz, welcome back to the pod after a while. Um, Wacka wacka. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Good to see you guys. It's been a while. It has. So um, how's it going? Gallivanting around Europe and... Uh, Pretty, pretty well. Um... You know, we're, we're making the big move this weekend permanently. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, everything goes smoothly. Uh, I'm really mostly just stressed about uh, we're moving with four animals. So two dogs, two cats. So we'll see how that goes. Wow. Um, but it's it's really stressing me out. Uh, just that aspect of it is. So we'll see. And I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, you guys have probably flown into to, uh, Schiphol before in Amsterdam, but it's like a... a an intimidating airport i think uh it's big and crazy and basically a mall there's like seven different baggage claims it's a really big transport hub so a lot of people will fly in there to go other places like it's a big one from here to england it's actually one of the klm do a lot of stops there yeah that's where we're flying through too yeah klm so um but yeah I couldn't be more excited. Um, they got some snow tonight, which I haven't seen snow in several years. So I'm excited about that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how Justin, it goes. Justin, out of interest with the animals, uh, they don't have quarantine there, right? Um, so basically, we had to do a vet appointment within seven days of leaving. We did that today. And basically, the vet checks the dogs out, makes sure they have all their registrations and stuff, and then, like, certifies them to travel to and every country has got different parameters you know yeah but basically yeah they they got all uh they got all checked out today and and uh approved so you know great man which is common sense yeah, because the yeah. uk has quarantine cap right well yeah, yeah the uk is it's because the uk is rabies free the, the right. continental europe isn't the uk is rabies free and obviously you can't just wander across a border into the uk you have to take a boat or a train or whatever so that's why it's a big deal once every i don't know seven or eight years they'll find a bird dead on a beach somewhere that's washed up that's got rabies and there'll be a big huge thing about it but that's why we we traveled back i I lived here i lived in florida in the 80s and then went back to england again and we took one of our dogs back with us um and he had to spend six months in Mm. quarantine um wow really yeah because it's a rabies free country so they basically won't take any any risk i don't know if that's still the case now i mean with the way borders have come down and the what how easy it is now to travel with animals i don't know if that will still be the case but i i imagine it probably is yeah and you pay oh. for that oh, yeah, yeah that's insane. That quarantine mm-hmm. that's yeah. insane yeah i had no idea it was like a rabies free country i'd never heard that before but i mean it, it does i mean it makes sense you know yeah it's one of the few benefits to be in an island that you can control yeah. <laughs> it's, it's why with the whole covid thing the South Pacific islands managed to like New Zealand managed to control it so well, because where the hell are you going to get in from? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. All right. So back to Arsenal world lads. Um, 
fun one, one question though gab sorry yes, go mate. i know no. i'm not trying to take the mantle of your um your uh, take it from you at all but um thanksgiving i just got a question so for for us um obviously me and you gab we we've been here what good on 10 plus years yeah coming up to that yep it, it, it's still a unique experience for me like it's still i still have to kind of get my head around it even though you know i've been here for a good amount of time the whole you know because it, it, it seems for americans it seems like it's it's probably their biggest holiday yeah i think um, i think so just, one of, yep it's yeah, one i of, think it, i think sure. it is yeah i mean for me christmas is always going to be one i just love yeah. christmas now yeah, yeah. about it but thanksgiving is is close in on second i have to say i i love it. i mean it's a day of just eating drinking and watching nfl on tv all day i, I can't think of a much better holiday but my it, only qualm with it is what i do not understand is why friday isn't also a public holiday it kind That's what I find of weird. it kind it's, it's of it's like our boxing day it's like our boxing day well boxing well, no, day is a public day holiday is an official is official public holiday friday is unofficial yeah so you feel oh. like banks like are banks open banks are open yeah, um, uh, actually, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I mean, there's less. It seems to be less and less people work that Friday. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. They will take the day off, I think. But, um, but yeah, I still, I still find it fascinating and interesting as well to be, um, to be spending it here. And obviously, to explain to people in the UK, uh, sometimes I do get the history of it a little bit wrong, but. Um, but it's quite a unique one to this country. I, I, you know, I think everybody gets the history of it wrong, including me yeah. and everybody else, because it's all these all these historical things are contrived, right? Like, like yeah. it, all, our historical references are not real. We we make them up. They get embellished over time and and all that stuff. So I, I think, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's more, I think, with all these things. I mean, and you know, I'm uh, I'm probably going to get shot for saying this, but I'm an atheist. Um, but I love Christmas, but it, <laughs> it's got a different meaning. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, yeah. Christmas doesn't yeah. have anything to do with the religious the part religious side because I'm not yeah. religious. But yeah. I love the family and the and people getting together. You know, that's that's the parts of it I love. And I think with Thanksgiving, yep. it's the same thing. The actual meaning behind the holiday has got less to do with how it actually started the history of it is it's not irrelevant but it it, it isn't necessarily the 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 meaning behind it mm, yeah yeah well it's better than columbus day you know <laughs> let's not open that can of worms <laughs> all right that's all i wanted to ask you take yeah. it away Gav. all right all right back to it so um lads we are top of the league um hell yeah back on top yeah, did anyone see this coming a few weeks ago? Being being back on top this quickly, Jos? No, actually, I'm uh, I'm pretty surprised, and I will say that as brilliantly as we've been defensively, and I do think we've been really good defensively, just totally smothering, winning the ball back, pressing high. Um, you know, I I still don't think that our offense is really clipped, our attack, and uh, that that has me really optimistic, though, to be honest, because we're top of the league right now, and I would say our our attacks been, you know, subpar up to this point. So if we can defend like we are now and get back to our attacking from parts of last season, I mean, we we've got a real shot this year, I think. Has, when when Eddie and Kai came on at the weekend and I, I saw all the 
all the shit on Twitter was making me laugh. A Chelsea fan tweeted out, oh my God, they need a goal and they're bringing on Havertz. And uh, I, it, that made me laugh at the end. That was obviously... Didn't he win them a Champions League final? Uh, yeah, they, they've forgotten about that. Oh, okay. And uh, it's, it was it was just comedy gold. But did you notice something that... This is one of the reasons, like the Trossard in the left eight thing we, we'll talk about a little bit. But for me, when Havertz came on, and I know he wasn't immediately impressive or anything like that, but just the simple fact that he takes less touches... And the simple fact that Eddie was playing further forward and forcing defenders to engage a little bit further up, it stretched the play a little bit. Do you think we looked a lot better, Paz, when they came on, which sounds ridiculous when you think of who went off? Yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was one of those about Eddie. Like, I, I find him very underwhelming as a sub. Uh, I think we've spoken about that. So, obviously, when you see him coming on, you're you do tend to refer back to historical uh, experiences. And that is that he doesn't do much when he comes on. Um, but he did, he, to his credit, he was very mobile. He was having good touches on the ball. He was he was making runs, um, kind of akin to how you would see him when he starts. Um, Harberts was interesting. Am I get, I'm getting this wrong? Or I, I think I'm getting this right. But he came on for Martinelli, right? And went on to the left. Am I right in saying that? That he switched to the left or did Trossard no, Tr- Trossard him? went out to the left. Right, okay. Because I, I would have thought, actually, if he had gone on the left, that would have been interesting because I believe that's where he played for Borussia Dortmund um, in his early days um, on, on the wing. Um, so I, I Leverkusen. Yeah. Leverkusen, yeah. Sorry, Leverkusen, yeah. Apologies. Um, so, um, yeah, so it was, he was quite... Um, I, I didn't, you know, like you said, quick touches, um, he... He seemed to be pretty, um, you know, active and engaged in the game. Um, but they, they, they tend, they it turned out to be good substitutions, which um, again we credit Arteta for, which he has been pretty good at over the recent games. And um, Paz, that header at the back post, we've been waiting for four months to see that. Right in the preseason, we were all yeah. thinking, <laughs> oh, that's cut back post Kai. It's going to be a thing that's coming in and. You know, and it it, it it looked to me, when Eddie come on, like I said, the defence, their defence dropped a little bit. I mean, they were already deep, but I think it just created a little bit more, a little bit more space. They were also tiring. They'd been chasing the ball all game. So I think that had something to do with it. Saka maybe had a little bit more room than he'd had for most of the game to put that cross in. But Kai getting in that area to the back post there, we've just been waiting to see that for so long. Yeah, we have. And um. I, I mean, it was a fabulous cross by Saka. Um, really pinpoint accuracy, and and we were looking at that avenue throughout the game to make crosses into the box. In fact, the goal that we scored was from a cross. Saka, um, a Saka cross too. The Saka cross too, which Jesus really should have scored, to be honest. But um, we, um, I thought that that was our best avenue to get a goal in that game. Brentford made it very difficult to play through the middle. They even made it difficult as well to you know, um, try and play our free-flowing football, which we were get, we've been criticised for in that game, which I find remarkable because it's a tough team with a low block. They're very, they putt, they really strengthen that defence. They've got good defenders. They're very well drilled and organised. Um, so that was our, looked like our most dangerous threat was to get across in the box. And um, I'm just glad he was on hand to put that in. Um, 
And it's actually a goal now through open play, not a given penalty or something like that. So we've been hoping for this and we're hoping now that will hopefully give him some encouragement for the next games after. And while we bring up that, just the disallowed goal, um, I I thought it was offside at the time. I I didn't even celebrate it really because I I just, I knew it was going to be ruled out. Did you, did you see that as offside? I mean, I know there's been a little bit of debate because you can't see where the ball is and we didn't get the one at St. James's Park, but we've got to get beyond that now because if we're going to compare everything to that, we're going to drive ourselves nuts. But I, it it felt to me like it was offside. Um, Yeah. My initial reaction to it was that it was offside, but then you remember how horrible the officiating is in this country and uh, I had hope that maybe it was given, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, my, my position is, is uh, that I think it should be, you know, if it's so tight, it should be advantage attacker just because I think it, it makes the game better. Um, but I, I have no problem with, you know, I, I mean, it is what it is. Um, and it would have been nice, but, um, you know, it would have been a, you know, controversial if it stood. Is the worst thing about, these type of decisions, not necessarily the decision themselves, but the fact that we get six angles, none of them are straight, and we don't know which one they're going to draw the line from. And it does seem from one minute to the next, from one picture to the next, he's off, he's on, he's off, he's on, he's off, he's on. Yeah, which is maybe the disadvantage of watching it rather than being at the game, um, because the initial um, freeze framing of it looked like he was on. Um, and you get all excited then. You think, oh, yeah, that's onside. Good. And then you get this deflating second angle, <laughs> which then makes it debatable. And then come the lines. And then, you know, they use the actual least favourable angle as the one to, to draw the lines on. Um, I, and yeah, I, I didn't know which line was going to be which either. I know. So even when the lines went up on the screen, I didn't know if it was onside or offside because I couldn't tell which <laughs> line was supposed to be the defender and which. That's how close together they were. I couldn't yeah. see what line was going off or what body part. Yeah, it, it was excruciating. It's excruciating to watch, to be honest. Um, I mean, of course, you know, the argument that someone in the crowd would say is that we don't know what we're looking at. We don't know what's going on until it's revealed. But sometimes I'd rather that because then you're kind of worked into a frenzy as to whether that's on, whether that's off. Oh, no, look at this angle. Then they take a long time and then you've got the dreaded lines. And yeah, it was three and a half minutes. I think it was three and a half minutes they took yeah. for that. And and I don't care who yeah. you are. That's too long. It's too long. It's way too long. It's way too long. And it's a really tedious um, conversation because I know we've always talked about it. I just it, it, it I, I don't know what what plans they have for next season but this is surely one of them where it's just getting pretty ridiculous i think um i i believe it's wenger has come up with was it was it wenger's idea of the striker yeah, being i i can't work out yeah. if this is batshit mental or if it's a good idea i i can't figure it I'm, out i'm i'm actually more with the latter i i i think that does make i think it makes it a lot more easier then to make the decision doesn't it Rather than sitting there five minutes. I tell you what will be amusing. What you're going to start to see if this happens is a whole generation of centre forwards that, I know you guys don't watch NFL that much, but you have to get two feet in bounds when you catch the ball, right? So a lot of the time when they're catching the ball along the sideline, they just drag their toe to to stay in bounds when they catch it. And you're going to start to see a lot of strikers. You know the way Kane dangles his leg in to try and get a penalty? 
to try and clip the goalkeeper before mm. he goes down. You're going to see all these strikers running through and hanging the back leg, trying to keep the back toe onside. Well, I, I don't have a problem with that because I think, they're, they're, one, there's an art to that. Two, it's not derisory, is it? It's not like someone standing 10 yards offside just goal hanging. It's just someone using their ways to manipulate or take advantage of a rule. And I... Pass. This is one thing that I've that with with offsides, right? We all know offside is binary. You're offside or you're not, it, and that that's fine. But the spirit of the law of offside, right, is to stop yeah. someone goal hanging in the six yard box. It is not yeah. because they want to disallow a goal because someone someone's shoulder is slightly in front of someone else's shoulder. That was never what the law was intended for. That's not what it was brought in for. Really, the problem has arisen with this forensic examination of every decision because mm. if if someone's slightly off and they score that is not what the law was intended for when it first came in no no uh, it, it it was uh, i think it was i i think you know my I, I said this to you before i think back one of the the biggest uh, pushes towards VAR, if memory serves me correct, was the Lampard decision, wasn't it? The one where in the uh, world... Oh, uh, the goal line technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was goal line technology. I don't think anyone can argue. Yes, I know you have said it has had some issues, but it is relatively... I don't think it's anything close to the controversy. Uh, no, it's not, it's not that flawed. No. I mean, it was just one time when it didn't work that everyone points to because it was such a big deal. It kept Aston Villa up and sent Birmingham down. Which is absolutely, you know, absolutely. and they're massive but, rivals. So no, no, absolutely. But generally, that as I would say has been an excess, a success in its implementation. But offsides, I don't know. If I look back in the past, has there been things that stick out in my memory that were so offside that um, that it was a horrendous decision? I, I can't. I, I can't think off the top of my head, but I can think of ones like the Lampard one, which sticks out my memory, which was over the line. Um, I also think as well that I remember back in the day, what they used to always say is, ah, oh, that, that could be offside, that could be onside, but you know what, let's give the attacker the advantage in this That's case. Right. And just, you know, and that was it, end of debate. So I don't know if this has really helped solve an issue. Um, or I, was think there created, issue? I think it's created an issue. And I, I think the, the forensic yeah. examination of this, like I said, there's there's rules, there's the way they're written, and then there's the spirit of the rules. And we do understand that there is a difference in all three. What VAR does and what I always said it was going to do is it takes away the element of spirit of the rule because it takes yeah. away any common sense because you have to answer yes or no. Yeah, it's um, too and, analytical. And, yeah, and it again, I, I, I just, it, it's not what offside is meant for. Offside is, offside isn't meant to catch someone offside by one of their hairs. It, that's not what it's yeah. there for. It, it's there yeah. to, it's there Very to stop goal Very hanging. Picking. And yeah, yeah. It, 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 and it's, but it is what it is. And like I said, I don't have any problem with that being being disallowed. My initial reaction was that's offside. So I really don't, I really don't have any my, problem with it. My initial reaction is even before Trosser scored is Jesus should have scored that. That was my yes. initial reaction. Yes. It was an open header. He's got the whole of the goal. And unlike what Harvards did, he puts it at a goalkeeper's height, which was perfect. Harvards hit the ball down, 
it's always the rule. If, if he'd put that header down at either corner, that would have been a goal. I think that was really what I was more frustrated about than the actual. Yeah, option. he gave the key bridge. And it was a game that, although we dominated, there wasn't that many chances. No. We had a few pings from the edge of the box. I actually texted you and said, we, we need to start hitting more from distance here because yeah. we were, we just weren't getting any, we weren't getting in the box. That Ethan Pinnock, as a yeah, yeah, deep yeah. defender, what a player he is as a, yeah, as a deep defender. I, I think he's a great player as 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 that last that last low block. I, I really he's he stuck out to me all season. Is he is he English or where is he from? I have no idea. I have oh, no God. idea. I, I I think he is, but I, I honestly don't know. But he's I have the roster up here. Hold on. Yeah, but as a as as actually, like that low block defender, be, I, I think he's. I mean, he wouldn't be any good for a team like us, obviously. J- Jamaica, Jamaica, he's Jamaican. He's Jamaican yeah, I, I thought he might have been. Um, and he's he's already thirty two. Yeah, I know he's. Yeah, I know he's. I know he's older. But yeah, I think he's been. I think he's been one of the standout players of the season. I mean, Paz, I, I, we had this. We had this debate before. I, 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 I have massive respect for Thomas Frank. I hate Brentford as a football team, and I hate watching <laughs> no, them play. I don't. I, it's not that I dislike the club or anything like that. I just can't bear to watch them play. I think they are awful. And I, like yeah. that, the reason we played Trossard in midfield, Moaning Imran said to me before the game, "Oh, this is a mistake. We've got Trossard in there." I'm like, mate, they don't have anyone in midfield. They literally do not use the midfield. Pack it with as many little ball players as you want. There's nothing going on in there. No, no, I, 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 I understand that. I do understand watching them is not the most entertaining, and uh, I, I agree with you on that. I, I just perhaps am a little bit lighter on them. One because I lived in and around that area before I came to the US. Obviously, I grew up in North London, but I lived in in close to Brentford when I was before I came. So I always liked them as a small club. They've come up through the team, so I admired that part of them. I, I feel. I feel also they've done really well in terms of how they've worked the transfer market. I thought they've done well to stay where they are. I feel they're not a naive team. I think they're very well drilled. I know they're not great to watch, but I mean, look at Newcastle. Look how I'm much money you, they've they, got. They and... remind me so much of late 80s and early 90s Wimbledon. They, they you see, I've, you've said that really before. Do. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I I can see. I know you would say that Tony's they're like not as, they're not as lunaticy. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they haven't not, got a Vinnie Jones, I but they do remind football, me a lot of that. I wouldn't say their football is that bad. I'd I'd say it's a little bit more enterprising than that Wimbledon team. But I mean, look at Newcastle. Look how much money they've got, and look at the football that they bring to the table. Yeah. I'd I'd be more. I'm more inclined to attack them for their footballing naivety and. And negative, um, their, their cynicism when it comes to football than Brentford, because I just feel they're a smaller club, and I think they've done extremely well. Oh, to and get they're, to they're punching they above their weight, and I've got a lot of respect for for Thomas Frank. He seems like a decent bloke as well as yeah, I like manager. Frank. Yeah, he, he's, he was. I think he even said about Saka's cross. He was very complimentary. He, he seems really humble as he well. Always, he's not. He always is. He always yeah. he's very self aware. I think. Yeah. He's, he's an excellent ambassador for that club. I really do think he represents that he represents them really, really well. You look at some managers and you're like, man, I hate Phil Brown at Hull is the person. Eddie Howe. Do you remember, do you remember Phil Brown? Yeah, Eddie Howe yeah. is another one. But Phil Brown at Hull was like that. It made you hate Hull City when Police. really you should have been thinking, oh, well, that's a bit of a fairy tale. And it yeah. didn't hate him because Phil Brown was such an awful person and he was Police. so bad. Yeah, Pulis is another oh, yeah, one. Pulis, yep. and, and that's it. You get a lot of these people like that. And Frank isn't Frank isn't like that. 
Um, mm. He's very mag- magnanimous, and you know, I, I just I think he, he just seems like a good guy. Um, to go back to something you said there earlier on, Paz, when we were talking about Eddie coming on, um, and Jazz, I want to get your your thing on this. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of people saying he should have squared it. The one when he went through and tried to pass it in the bottom corner. I would be going nuts if Eddie tried to square that ball and it got blocked and he didn't take the shot. I have no problem with him taking a the shot. There. Now, if that's Jesus, I've got no problem with him passing it. But Eddie, being the player he is with his skill set, all I want Eddie doing in that situation is shooting. I do not want him passing. How did you see that? So my initial reaction was that he should have squared it. But then, you know, when I got more context on the situation after I rewatched it a couple times, and, you know, I, I always catch, you know, uh, the extended highlights uh, before we do a pod. And I'm, I'm okay with him taking that shot as well. I think um, it is, uh, you know, player-specific, I think. Absolutely. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, if you look at what the higher percentage is, right, this isn't Dennis Bergkamp going through over there. It's not Cesc Fabricas, right? What do you think has got more chance of working in that situation? Eddie's coming into the box from the left-hand side with a goal opening up to his right. He's got two players over to his right, but he's also got two defenders in between. Now, you can get that ball through there, right? Yeah. Fabregas absolutely gets that ball through there. Dennis Bergkamp gets that ball through there. What do you think has got more chance? Eddie getting that ball through to where it needs to go or Eddie scoring with a shot? Because I think the shot is the much higher chance of working. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think the angle was great, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, ju- just take the shot. That's what Eddie's good at. He was in the box. Um, it just wasn't he, a great he, shot. That was the problem. It, it wasn't a great shot. Yeah, it wasn't a great shot. But I mean, a deflection could have went anywhere. We could have got, you know, I, I, I was fine a rebound because that goalkeeper was pushing stuff out all day long. Yeah, yeah, Flecken looked looked a little uh, a little shaky to me a few times. Um, I know he had that like one, uh, you know, juke to beat. Uh, I was it Jesus? I can't remember, but um, but yeah, he looked a little shaky to me with his handling. I I, oh, I was Eddie. fine with it once I had the contest. Eddie, yeah. I know what you mean Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even on the even on the disallowed goal, he didn't cover himself in glory with that with that save. So no, 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 no. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had no problem with taking them shots. Paz, we had two off the line clearances um, <laughs> that were absolutely right. magnificent. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. They really were the first one. And we'll, we'll go into Ramsdale in a bit, but the first one was Ramsdale's error. If we don't spend 105 million pound on Declan Rice in the summer, do we lose that game one nil? Yeah. Cause I, I, if you watch it, um, and this is where Declan Rice is that just that wealth of intelligence off the ball as well as on it. You see, as soon as the error is made, Declan Rice runs to the position where he where he made that, uh, where he yep. cleared it off the line. He knew exactly where to go. He'd already anticipated that there's probably going to be a cutback and then a shot in. That doesn't come naturally to many footballers, especially ones that play in his position. And his position is more important than any to be so switched on defensively. Well, so look, at it, that was... look at it this way, right? I don't think Partey, I don't think it even crosses Partey's mind to go to no. that post. And that is, no. that's not a criticism of Partey. That's just not the sort of player he is, right? That is not yep. the sort of defensive midfielder he is. I don't mean cross line. Jorginho or El Nenny are never getting there, right? They're just no, not no. quick enough to get there. They would never get there. The way Rice eats up ground is is absolutely insane. So I think that that was, that was phenomenal. And then Zinchenko's one, 
that was kind of of his own making. He did the most outrageous bit of skill that, yeah. I, that I've ever seen on a football pitch. Then he got a ball back that he didn't really need to get back and took a loose touch and give it away. But then to get back and clear it off the line, I thought that was another incredible bit of play. Yeah, it was it was his own making. And, and sometimes Zinchenko does have these moments where he can make that... Uh, that um you know uh dodgy pass or or uh put us I into a bit of problems. he gets a bit i think sometimes he gets a bit comfortable as much he as gets a little so bit too, gets a little bit ahead I, of himself i think the game comes very easily for him like it, like it does. super easy and i think because of that i mean you saw what he did two minutes before um when he that i, I still can't explain what he actually did but to bring that ball down the way he did and then play it on the volley perfect pass like that to gabrielle mm. I, I still don't know how he did it, but he can do stuff like that. And I just think sometimes the simple stuff for him is is too easy. He kind of reminds think... him of a player. Sorry, yes. Um, Go ahead, Buster. Uh, yeah, he kind of reminds him, and I'm sure Justin will, 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 will probably back this up, kind of reminds him of a Dutch player from the, the uh, 1974 Dutch team where he's just unbelievably gifted, like nearly every single player in that Dutch team. But there is that moment where they can make a mistake that can cost you a goal because they're so gifted individually and so gifted skill-wise, sometimes they get a little bit ahead of themselves. But he is what he showed there was that he's not just gifted in terms of his skills. And when he does make a mistake, he knows exactly what to do defensively. And I think that's that that was a really, really positive attribute he brought in in that particular moment because that was going in. Yeah, and no I thought he was, was I thought he was absolutely phenomenal at the week. I, yeah. I actually thought the whole of the back line and Declan Rice were our Amazing. best players. I, I thought yeah. they were all absolutely phenomenal. Fabulous. If it wasn't Jazz, if it wasn't for the defensive mistakes, I don't know we'd ever concede a goal. Like literally every goal yeah. is from an individual error. Because we're we're as a unit, we are as solid as I've ever seen us. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more, and I, I think the 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 talent in the back line is 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 just uh, it's so complementary as well. I mean, you know, uh, Saliba might be the best center back in the league. Yeah, and I, and I don't think he had his best game at the weekend. Actually. No, he, he doesn't even have I thought to. He was good, but going for, yeah, but like on the ball, I thought he was a bit loose. But Tomiyasu, Gabriel. They bailed him out every time because that's what a defensive unit do. There were there were days, mm. Pass will know this, there were days in, in our back four when we had the famous back four where even Tony Adams had bad days. And there were days yeah. when Steve Bold or Lee Dixon would be bailing Tony Adams out. So it's everyone, no one's impervious to a mistake. It's going to happen. And I thought Saliba gave the ball away a couple of times. Um, and I, I just think he was bowed out by the rest of them. And I, I just think that unit is so strong. It's, it's the un- yeah, it's really good. We're, yeah, we're, we're very difficult to play through. Very difficult. We're a oh, really yeah. difficult team to play through. To You know, Man City will speak to that. Besides one big mistake, I think, from when they had that corner and then Aki missed it. I don't remember them really penetrating our defence. We, we We generally are so put together defensively. Um, and Spurs, we all know Rice came off, but when Rice is there as that six, it's 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 a back five basically. It's so robust and really difficult to play through. And this is one stark difference from last season to this. Yeah, yeah I think we, we we're a lot slower, um, and we are, Rice yeah. being in there makes a huge difference. That that left eight just. 
do we need that to become a lower touch position? I mean, I know at the start of the season when it first when the when this change was going on, sometimes it sometimes it takes a minute to get used to it, right? It's not a change that it's not a change that aesthetically is particularly pleasing the the way we've gone from how we were last season to how we were this season. But can you see now a path to someone let's let's be fair can you see a path to Kai making that spot his own because I think over the last couple of weeks what's become more apparent to me is that we need less touches of the ball and I think in midfield in particular we take too many touches on the ball and I think with Trossard in there it was particularly noticeable it's five touches before he lays it off Martinelli's the same Saka's the same there is very until they're doing that little one touch combo around the box in general, there are too many touches being taken in midfield. And I think when you get someone like Kai, who really doesn't want that much of the ball, when he's doing what he did at the weekend and going and crashing the back post, is that the answer? Uh, you know, I'm 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 thinking this left eight is a um a kind of an evolving role. Um, yeah, do I was gonna say that. Think, do we know what it is yet? Yeah, no, I, I honestly don't think so. And I think um, as as uh, as Rice, as he gets more comfortable and, you know, learns his teammates, and I, I truly believe we could play two 10-like players out there. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. uh, Havertz and Odegaard. Uh, you know, we, we don't need that that link in the middle that Xhaka was. Um, but... You know, I, I, I do think it's maybe a bit too early to play one of, you know, like a, a Manchester City, a Liverpool in, in that fashion. But I do think that is going to be the evolution of this team. And um, and it is really interesting that we have uh, what, maybe, what, three big options there. And you're Kai Havertz, you're Fabio Vieira, and you're Emile Smith-Rowe. And they're all, they all have different strengths and weaknesses. But um I think, you know, and you love to harp on this, Gav, but, uh, you know, the size of Havertz gives us that that unique weapon of a, of a you yeah. know, a loft ball to the far post for, for someone of his size to get on the back of. And, and it does make a lot of sense. And it, it, it helps with low block as well, I think. Does the centre forward position have to evolve? Because this is what I've been thinking about over the last couple of days, really, is with the way we are trying to play now, do we need less of a Gabriel Jesus, less of a false nine, and more of someone who's more like Haaland, someone or, like or Victor Osimhen, yes, who is going to play on the last shoulder of the defender, who's a powerhouse getting in the box? Is that what we need to stretch that and create a little bit more space? I'm going to tell you right now, I think uh, a player, if we brought in a player uh, like uh, Osimhen right now, I think it would be the most transformative thing we could do to our team. And I do think it would slightly change the way we play, but I think uh, there's no there's no other change we could make that would be more influential than that right now. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that's that's kind of what I've been thinking over the last. And and I love Jesus. Um, I, I did yeah. say that I think we'd be looking to upgrade him every year, and I think we are going to be. But I just I just think someone like a seaman to to push defenders back, I think would would just it just changes the shape of everything. Paz, we've been linked yep. with him pretty heavily. I personally don't see how we're going to be spending any money in January because obviously we structured the Riot deal the way we did because we're up against it with FFP. Um, do you think there's there's any chance? I mean, I just I don't see how we can get how we can basically get the money together to get this done. I, I mean, I can't speak for how it works with FFP in terms of our our situation. Um, so I, I I don't know. I I think if there is. 
I mean, there's been talk that there would be some money available for Arteta, but now we've seen that what happened with Everton, I know that that's going to take presence over everything in terms of how we... And, and you'd be, be um, looking at breaking our transfer record again, right? I mean, you'd be looking at 150 million uh, plus. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I would love, and I know you'd you'd be spending an absolute point, but I'd love an Evan Ferguson. I just think he's fantastic at Brighton. I think that would be a great striker to have in your team. But um, I, I yeah, I can't see it being a striker, but I can see a potential for maybe an eight. Um, All right. Well, listen, let's 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 pick this up on the other side of break because I don't want to end this. I don't want to end this yet, but we've got to go to break. So let's pick this up on the other side, all right? Sounds good. All right, everybody. We'll see you back in a second. Hey, guys. Just a couple of quick halftime messages for you. Firstly, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, we're on all the social media platforms as the NN Pod. We're really trying to build a strong Guna community. So next time you're on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, look us up, give us a like or a follow, send us a message, interact with other listeners, or, or just have a look around. Thanks for listening from myself, Paz and Jazz. We really appreciate it. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. Paz, before the break, um, I want you to pick up where you left off. You were saying that uh, you didn't think we were going to be looking at a, a striker in January, but you did think there was a chance of a left eight. I, I'm, I'm, it's just a just a hunch. Um, I, it is. It obviously would seem a bit weird because we did get Harberts, um, but it does seem to be a, a problem for us. Um, I was going to say though, how does Arteta, after convincing the board to spend 65 million quid on Havertz, how does he go back to the board and say, I want another one? Yeah. I mean, maybe he can, you know, I, I think there's, I think he can build a case in terms of maybe saying, look, he's still adapting to the role. He is being utilized. Um, he can be utilized up front as well. Um, he's part of the squad. Um, I, I, there was, News of them giving around 50 million for something. I know that's not breaking the heavens, but I think, I, I don't know if he's, if he's located a player, perhaps um, that could maybe fill in that role or finds one that could do that. I, I wouldn't be surprised, let me put it that way, but I couldn't really uh, make any predictions on who it could be or what their financial situations is with uh, uh, FFP or any of that. Um, but I, I'm, just saying, I pro- I wouldn't be surprised if that was an area that he he did assess, or perhaps on the wing, uh, on the right hand side. But that's just a just a feeling more than anything. I I, I um I don't think it's going to be in January. Pause. But I I do tend to agree with you that um you know when when you look around it at the at the team the squad, it seems like almost every player picks themselves right in the left eight mm. is kind of biggest question mark um so so i i I see that with that regard but i i also got to kind of lean with gav here is that not only did he convince the board to drop 65 million on havers but there was also the refusal to sell smith Rowe. Vieira was just the previous year um i'm not saying any any one of those three are the solutions but i think he's got uh kind of a, a long road to convince dropping a big amount of money in that position again um 
I think it's going to be striker will be our next big purchase, but I don't think it'll be January. It'll be summer. Yeah. This is something I want to, I want to touch on real quick here. That's Edu gets an awful lot of stick for not being able to sell players. And rightly so. We keep paying players off. We don't get the money for the players that we should be getting. Joe Willock aside, we're, we're, you know, we're not bringing in these deals, but how much of a case has Mikel Arteta got to answer it? Because he destroys players' values more than I think any manager I've ever seen. And, and I like Arteta, and I think what Arteta's done for us has been absolutely magnificent. The way he's brought the team back to the crowd, the way, obviously, the on-pitch improvements, I think it's great. But what you cannot, what you cannot look past is he absolutely tanked the value of Matteo Guendouzi. He tanked the value of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I don't think Ozil had any value. I think that was done. I'm not sure we could really have done anything about that. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, tanked the value of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Rob Holding, Callum Chambers, tanked the values of them. He's now done it again with Emil Smith-Rowe, with Thomas Partey. And you can argue with them too that injuries have got something to do with it, but we knew about the injuries before the summer. Aaron Ramsdale... Any talk of 60 million for Aaron Ramsdale, I'm telling you now, he's pie in the sky. We are not getting our money back on Aaron Ramsdale. We paid, what, 24 million for him? 28, wasn't be, it? Was it 28? I'd be I shocked thought. if we got half of that. Shocked. We, it, it, it's, he destroys the value of players. How much of this discussion just needs to be had? Because Edu gets all the stick, and I think Edu has got an impossible job. And I think this is kind of a tough one, Gaff. Um, and let me know what you think, because I, you know, I don't have any, in, you know, insider knowledge or anything with regards to this. But I feel like while I while I agree, and I do, I agree a hundred percent. I think as a manager, his his job first and the, his most important job is to get results. Um, so I'm not so cons. Uh, I don't think Arteta concerns himself with the values of players. Oh, I agree. I 100% agree. But the fact is, he's not the head coach of Arsenal Football Club. He's the manager. He's the manager. Right. And there is a difference there. There is a distinction between those two roles. And he is the manager. So should it be part of his makeup to worry about that sort of stuff? Because... Good. Good. No, no, no. no. Go for it. I I was passing it on. No, I mean, that is actually a really, a really good point. And now that it's kind of a, a you know, it's, it, it's kind of a duopoly, right? With, with Edu and Arteta, you, you would think that there would be some conversations about that. You could even go a little bit further and say, there has been an opportunity to play some, some kids that probably wouldn't have made it at Arsenal, but, you know, maybe with three, four appearances under the belt, they could have gotten a, a decent transfer fee, you know, um, so yeah, I, I I do think this is a bit of a blind spot. I've I I think we've all talked about it on the pod uh, squad management, uh, which I know is like a very umbrella term, but I do think it's kind of a weak point for Arteta. Uh, he really just tends to focus on like what you can do for me now and deliver, and if you can't, you know he he's onto something else. He it's like there's no like. A forecast to plan in any of the business side of the game and as much as i hate saying it like that you know for for a club like arsenal that doesn't have you know some big sugar country backing them um i think that kind of stuff does need to be taken into consideration even if it's just you know a little bit as where are you on this 
I'd say my counter argument to that, I mean, what I do 100% agree with you, which are the facts, the facts are the ones that we've sold for peanuts, Pepe, you can include Pepe in that as well, where he had a great season. Well, sorry, I rephrase, I didn't have a great season, but Arteta's first season, he, he was He had a reasonable season and then got replaced reasonable with Willian. season, reasonable. instrumental in the FA Cup. And then, but then he got replaced with Willian. And that's yes, replaced with Willian and totally ostracised from the and team. And this is kind I, I of where I'm at with, with Ramsdale as well, is that if, if we'd have gone and bought Alisson, I'd have mm. had no problem with this. But we haven't. We've gone and bought David Raya. Who, I do agree with that. Yeah, is, I, I, is, is he better than Ramsdale? Again, I don't know if he is or not, but he's certainly not better enough. No, I, I, I think with Ramsdale, I feel that you can have an argument as to whether he has tanked it or whether he hasn't, because it's not happened yet. And I think there are still morons out there like Chelsea, who have Sanchez in goal, and Ramsdale is an upgrade from Sanchez for sure. English keeper, I still feel that there is a value for him, but he's not doing him any favours, let me put it that way. He's not, the way it's being managed at the moment is not helping the situation. And then Obviously, as you can see with Ramsdale coming in in that Brentford game, he's nervous. He's under a lot of pressure. Not it's all Arteta's fault. I think media's played a massive part in this and making this a fucking debate every single week. But but wait um, a minute. But Arteta's lies also played a part in this, Paz. And we've got Alicia's to play devil's advocate here. Again, I'm not having to go at Arteta. Yeah. But you have to understand the role that his lies came into this, right? When he brought David Ryan, David Ryan, he's not coming in to be number one. He's coming in to compete. That is not true. It was never true. Right? I know. But... Never there is no competition for the number one spot Arsenal and there never was. He's never going to sub a goalkeeper in the 60th minute because he feels like making a change. It's never going to happen. It is a lie. So by lying to the media like that, he's told the media that this is a competition and it's not a competition. So they're going to ask those questions. And then but... he comes out after the game, right? And he basically threw Ramsdale under the bus and he made a very he the, the faces he was making on the sidelines were intentional. That was intentional what he was doing to the camera on the sidelines, right? Contrast that to what he did with David Raya after was it the Spurs game or the Man City game because he was poor in both. Was it the first half against Man City where he was really Man City yes because he knew yeah. it all. Look at Arteta coming out afterwards, and what was Arteta's response? It was to have a dig at Ramsdale. That was Arteta's response coming after that game. Protect Raya, have a dig at Ramsdale. He chose not to do that with Ramsdale on Saturday. He made it pointed that he was not going to protect him. So I think Arteta's brought a lot of this on himself. I, 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 I'll be honest with you. I saw his. I didn't see his interview. I heard his post. I saw his post-match comments. What is it that was disrespectful to Ramsdale? I, I wasn't. So he ref- he basically that. refused to acknowledge he existed. Do you you remember after the Man City game, all he did was yeah. come out afterwards and say David Raya's brilliant. David Raya does what I tell well, him to do. The fans should have a go at me. What he did this time, when the when the guy brought it up personally, he said, "Well, the team did well." That was it. Well, in a way, though, I, I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Though the Raya one, I can understand why he would jump to his defence because, firstly. He's brought him in. There was a lot of scrutiny. The fans were on his back in the first half. So, yeah, I think he would jump to his defence. The Ramsdale one, I can also see that he doesn't want to make this a topic of conversation. Yes, you can say that he's made it a topic of conversation. He has, and he he could have sold Ramsdale in the summer. 
when he knew I know, but if he, if he, listen, if he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't. Because if he goes and says Ramsdale had a really great second half, he really came out, he showed his character, and then drops him for the next game, people are going to say, what a hypocrite, what an arsehole. He says but he was he really good, that, and now He look. does that anyway, Paz. How I is know. that so, different from saying that this is so a competition? Should we read his comments? Should we give a shit? Should we get, does anyone really honestly, besides a VAR incident or something that goes wrong in a game by a referee, does anyone give a fuck about what the manager says? It's like the players. I don't really care. I don't read much into it. All I care about is what the selection is. The selection clearly says, as you said, that what he has said previously, yes, is contradictory. Absolutely. But every week, this has been a topic of conversation by the media. And it's not just because of what Arteta says. It's because they love to talk about our goalkeeper and what a big controversy is. He's an English goalkeeper. They seem to jump on the back about this all the time and about how he's feeling. His dad's coming out, just like Maguire. Same fucking hurrah, you know, about this in England international. How can you treat well, him like this? it turns out that Maguire is the best Man United defender by a mile. So it turns uh, out yeah, that, they, may- that, maybe, <laughs> that everyone else was wrong. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe so. But were they saying this about Leno? I didn't hear this about Leno. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, but Leno, fucking got, nothing. Leno got dropped. And I, I agree, my point. Leno got but dropped it, it, and no one ever said this is a competition. But I, Gav, some of the stuff I've heard about what a disrespect to him and his family—he's a manager. Yeah. He picks a team. It's like you oh, know. I, I agree with like, that. And like I said, if he'd have brought in Allison, I would have no. I've got no problem. I, I get that with argument. bringing in a better goalkeeper and replacing. Yeah, he wanted no Raya first. With it, what he, he wanted Raya first. My he problem. Did. My problem is, and he did, and he loves David Raya, and and Cannon yeah. loves David Raya. That is fine. But he yeah. should have sold Ramsdale the minute that the minute that he knew Raya was available, Ramsdale should have been out the door. He should have been out I, the door. I, this is a this is an untenable situation. We all knew it was going to be an untenable situation. We knew it. He has brought this on himself completely. And then to top it off, what he should have done, the first game Raya was available, Raya should have played, and he should have said, Raya is my number one. That's what he should have done. This would if he'd have done that, Paz. There would be none of this. But he it could have be, tanked his value then as well. Though, quiet. Yeah, he could have he's tanked his it, value He's then. tanking it either way. What he's done now is invited all this media scrutiny every week by lying and saying it's a competition because now everyone wants to know what this competition's about. But but does everyone really want to know? Does the, they, I keep mean, asking, uh, they keep asking the question. I don't really care. I mean, I listen, you, you, you and Justin, I naively bought into this crap which I should never have done. But you and Justin <laughs> read between the lines already and said, hey, Raya's going to be number one by October. You both, I mean, Justin said it. So I think besides myself, who I've come to the realisation, whatever Arteta says, I really don't want to pay too much attention to it. Um, I, I, I've come to realisation it's the selection that really matters. Like it was like when he said about Pepe being this new player and all of this, and then he's not even in the fucking squad. You know, it's, it's, it's a tendency of his to do... I don't think personally, though, he's tanked his value. I, that's what I don't think. I think there's still very much a buyer out I, I there. Don't know, a I don't Munich know how he can't have tanked his value, though, just because it's quite clear now that Ramsdale has to leave, right? He has to leave. So I don't see how he hasn't tanked his value. Ramsdale but, would have been worth far more on August 31st than he's worth today because he was a useful player that was potentially a first-team player. Now what he is is a spare part, right, that why would anyone pay that money for him? You just wait till he gets so angry, Edu pays him off. 
So I, I, I don't want to uh, dodge this question. I think um, without a doubt, his value is lower than it would have been. I agree with that 100%. But um, I'd like to uh, kind of pivot this to a bigger concern that I have with this whole situation in that it looks like the squad, the squad themselves backs Ramsdale more than Raya. Yes. And I think that's a bigger issue for I us. I think they than... probably like him more, but they've, he's been with them longer. I'm not. I'm not sure that's true, though. I'm not. I, that is one bit that I'm not worried about. Footballers will play with footballers, so I'm not worried. I mean, look at look at Sheringham and Andy Cole. They famously didn't speak to each other for years. It doesn't have to be team. about just between those two, though. I mean, if, if you've got the back line and, and most of the team thinking that Ramsdale's the better keeper, or that they play better with Ramsdale, but do you think? Do you think that, though? I'm I'm not sure that they. I'm not sure. I think they they probably like him more. But like I said, he's been I mean, there the whole time. But I'm I'm I don't know. I I, I haven't read that. To keep an eye on. None of us are in there. You know. Uh, yeah. But, I, I, I I just I haven't read that into it. There's there's but, a lot of things that I find wrong with this situation. And again, it's not that he's been replaced. I I, I said last year after the Southampton game, I said that Ramsdale. We probably needed to look at upgrading Ramsdale. I just, I just think it should have been done, and Ramsdale should have been sold. And this idea of keeping two players like this, I think he's just, I think it was idiotic from the beginning. I think it was naive. I think it was stupid. And then to lie about it, I think has made it even worse. I, I, to be I fair, think, I, I, yeah. Sorry, just you. you no, I was just one sentence. I, I, I yeah. think that um, had. I think I think Raya's performances have been a bit down for us. Um, I expected him to be better than this watching him play, and I, I, I do I, I, I think he's been a bit of a disappointment. But just because I, I did hold him in higher regard than I do now. Um, that's all I wanted to say. I, I think if he'd have come in and played lights out, this would this wouldn't even be a conversation. You know. I think uh, one thing I would say though. Um... Uh, Gab is I don't I would disagree with him tanking ESR and parties. Um, I know you mentioned well, parties injury because yeah, it's not I, not tanking it because not tanking it by not playing them the way he has with the others, but tanking mm. it by not selling them. And and maybe the offers weren't maybe the offers weren't there, but tanking them by not getting rid of them in the summer. Right, okay, I think I can that see was that our argument. last chance to yeah. basically get any money at all. But then I've also heard that there were no offers. I've heard that Arsenal were happy to let Partey go. And the mm. fact is that there just weren't any offers. Yeah, I, I would believe that more. ESR, I can kind of understand that. But I, I think ESR, the problem has been is that he was starting to get back in the team. And then he got injured again. So the problem is with ESR is I feel he can't have his, for himself, can't have a run of games more than two or three games without getting injured. And I think that's that's one of the biggest problems. And maybe Arteta, which people have not really mentioned, maybe Arteta wasn't playing him for that very reason, that he cannot last longer than a certain amount of games and thought, okay, now he seems ready, did it, look what happened. So I I feel ESR, I, I, I think he still thought he had a place for him in the squad. But maybe now, when we come to summer, that's going to be a different matter. But I, I, I can see the arguments with Ramsdale, but I think we definitely get more than what we paid for him if we sell him. I feel that Chelsea or a Bayern Munich are in need of a decent goalkeeper. Bayern, have, they lost out to Raya, I think, and they've been heavily linked with Ramsdale. And I think Chelsea are absolute guarantee to go in for him as well. Well, we'll, I hate see, what, we'll see what... I mean, we can't really sell him in January because... 
I mean, first off, we've got to play against Brentford at home, right? So we've got yeah. someone else has to play. The only, I guess, the only alternative to that is if you sell Ramsdale and you make the Raya deal permanent early. I guess is the only way because they're going to make it permanent. Obviously, you do it in January and not in July, and then he'd be free to play against Brentford. I, 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 mm. Other than that, I don't see what else you can really do because I, I mean, but but he would have to be replaced, right? If we sold him in January, we would have to get someone in, even yeah. if it was getting Ben yeah. Foster in for six months to sit on the bench. I, I, yeah. I do feel for him. I'll be honest. I, I don't, I, I see the arguments on it. I do feel for him as a person because I like him. We all like him. He's and, and you can see visibly, he did look a shell of that confident goalkeeper that we know he is, especially after the mistakes, you can see how much it, it was affecting him. Um, after that time, but then you also saw what quality keeper he is because in the second half he didn't let that over overtake his uh, confidence. He carried on. He actually had a very much better second half. He was confident on the ball. His handling was a lot better, and some of his long ball distributions were really good. Um, but I, I, I do. I, there is a part of me that feels him, but there is also a part of me that understands that football is like that. And I think what Arteta is trying to do, from from what I'm seeing, is yes, there is a ruthless side to him, no doubt. But there is also a side for me that is trying to make this team the best he feels it can be. And I, I think I think at this point, barring maybe free flowing football, we can't really argue too much. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I, I think Arteta has been brilliant since he came in. Like I said, I, I really do. My yeah. whole thing is is just that uh, I don't know. I just think there's there's a couple of flaws um, here, and he's a, you know we have to remember too. He's still a first time manager. You know, yeah. every way you want to look yep. at it, this is still his first job. He's still learning. But I just I do feel that there's a that you know Edu gets a lot of stick for not being able to sell anybody, and that's fair because that is part of his job. But I do think Arteta makes Edu's job harder than he needs to. That's that was yeah. my point. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'd agree with that. So, yeah. all right. Well, let's move on to midweek, lads. Wednesday, um, Lons at home. Um, I believe a win puts us top of the group, right? I, I think yes. we qualified top with a, with a win, which makes the game in Eindhoven a dead rubber. Um, I think that's that's really important to do that, right? I think it's 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 the first team go out there, do the business, and we move on, right, Jazz? Uh, yeah, mate. I think that's uh, it's it's absolutely crucial, and uh, I think we'll do it uh, home against Long. I know they were, you know, they 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 got us away. Um, I think it might. I think it might actually be a big win. You know, just I think we might actually get four or five on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I mean that that would be really nice. I mean, we're we're starting to have some of the injuries come back. I I could see it. I think um, you know, we we've been great defensively all season. You know if the offense could click just a little bit more, I mean, I, I'd be pretty confident to see him roll almost any team. As if we get, if we can do this and wrap up top spot on Wednesday, um, the the way to go is just not to even take anybody to Eindhoven, right? Yeah, I would, you know, what, what, what kind of pleases me with all of this. So another thing as well is I think if we draw against Lons and PSV lose, we take top as well. And they're so, away uh, PSV, right? So there's and, a, and there's a strong possibility they lose because they are terrible away from home. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we draw, not that we're going to go in for a draw, but if that happens, we also take top spot. Actually, um, actually, we don't, we only need them to, we only need them to draw. 
Oh no, because oh. no, actually, yeah, they both yeah, have if five. We, if we draw, they can. If we draw and they draw, then we're then we're for a top. Oh, yep. okay, yeah, yeah. So there you go. So we just got to hope they avoid uh, winning, basically. Um, I uh, I think. Listen, we, we're quite fortunate in some sense. We're quite fortunate with the group, so I'm really pleased with the group itself. We're also fortunate with the games that we have after these games. So Wolves at home on a Saturday um, is, is you know, pretty kind. I think we had one where we had Sheffield United, um, you know. So we've been pretty fortunate that we're not playing like a Liverpool away or uh, Aston Villa away after these games, which helps a lot. And also the games before that, Perhaps are not the most, you know, Brentford away well, is not easy. But funny enough, know. we've got Villa away before PSV, so it would definitely be nice to have that wrapped up. So we're not thinking there, about. There that. you go. So if we can finish top, I think it really puts us in with no international breaks now. So we puts us in a really good position to first give you know the relevant rest needed and preparation needed for these big Premier League games coming up. And put out, I really hope he does. I know all of us, there's no reason to not put out a full youth team against PSV. No reason whatsoever. Why not let us see Raul Walters, let us see some of the talent in Yeri. Well, the, the, fringe, the fringe players too ain't getting a game in the league. Your Fabio Vieira's, Mohamed yeah. El Nene, Reese yeah. Nelson. Let's let's yeah. see these let's see these guys for this game. Absolutely. There's, there's, no, there's no reason not to. Maybe Emil Smith Rowe will be back. Do we know anything Ramsdale. about Emil Smith Rowe? <laughs> Uh, there was an update today that I read, and it's it's still just kind of inconclusive. Him yeah. and him and Thomas Party are yeah. We don't even know. I mean, it's a knee injury, but we don't even know. Like yeah, yeah, we've we've not heard, yeah, we, we've not heard much yeah. about it. And you know, give give Eddie a run out from the start. And like you said, Patrick sure. Ramsdale, sure. Ramsdale. I I really hope Ramsdale gets a Champions League game before he goes. Me too. It would it, be it, very unfair if he doesn't. It, it was yeah. unfair. He that helped get us there. He helped get us there. Yeah, he should have started the home game against PSV, to be honest. But anyway, that that's that's not here or there. But um, I think if we if we go into that PSV game with the excitement of playing a youth team and the fringe players, um, it really puts us into good position for that Villa game because that is a Villa game after, right? Villa games after that PSV. No, before. Before, before okay. Yeah, so well, we're we going to put everything. We've got Longs Wednesday, then Wolves Saturday, Luton Tuesday. Villa away on the Saturday and then PSV on yep, the right. Wednesday. So uh, and then Brighton and Liverpool. Yeah, that's so right. Like Liverpool. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. He cannot be playing uh, a yeah. strong team against me uh, unless we have to play them. But uh, Villa's going to be tough. Villa we is shouldn't. Be very tough. We shouldn't need so. to. If we get two draws in the last two games, we're through on top. Well, right? I mean, a, a draw really probably sees us through on Wednesday, but we should yeah. be winning on Wednesday and putting this to bed because we're in that situation at the minute where it's midweek Saturday, midweek Saturday, midweek Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Like Lons, yeah. Wolves, Luton's a midweek game, Villa, then yeah. PSV, then Brighton at home. And the only reason we don't have a game in between Brighton and, and Liverpool away is because we went out of the um, the, the Carling Cup. Whatever it's which called, which Liverpool Carabao. are in, which Carabao. Liverpool are in, yeah, Liverpool are in it, so that's good news. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah they got West that, that Liverpool. I Sorry, I, I yes. fancy us against yeah. Liverpool. I do. I, I, I'm not as scared of them this season as I have been. Um, and it's weird because they're a lot better this season than they were last year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I don't know. There's just something about them. Like their underlying stats aren't aren't great. They're, they're... Well, I don't think I, I'm just not as worried that we are. Built like jelly. Do 
you know what I mean? Like we're just not as flimsy. We haven't got the we haven't got that soft undercarriage that we've. Oh, had the in spine the past. is yeah, it's tight, man. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's it. And I, I'm quite confident that we'll that we can take whatever's whatever's thrown at us there. I mean, it it may be a game where we don't be where you don't go quite as much Zinchenko on the right wing. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. can you please stay in your left back area for a little bit? Maybe you, maybe you do that a little bit more. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but this season, um, especially the more the season's gone on, Zinchenko is sticking to the left hand side of the pitch a lot more. He's not popping yeah. up on the right hand side of the penalty box anymore. He's still pushing into midfield, but he's very much staying over to that side. This will be a Tommy Asu game, though, surely, right? Like last not season, if he's needed at right back. True. But I, 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 mean, I, think, I, I think I don't ben think White. Ben White has been great the last the last few games, and and I mean part of it might be because he was carrying it, carrying a knock because I don't think he's yeah. been great the last few games. I think we've looked better with Tommy Asu at right back than we did when when Ben White was in at right back, and I just think to me Zinchenko's undroppable. Like I, I I don't see any reason you would drop Zinchenko. To be fair, I mean I think Tommy Asu has been like fantastic this season. He's yes. been really good. Yeah. Yeah. I really like him. I, I just think he's I such a, If yep. you want to look for a utility player or a squad player, that that's your man. He's just been yep. so, so good. And, and it probably speaks to the fact that we did miss him when he went out injured last season. Oh, we yeah. absolutely did. Yeah, we him every time he's out injured. There's two years in a row we've got, we've gone to the end of the season and we've, we've needed him and he hasn't been there. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I agree with Justin, though. I think Liverpool, I just feel that when you play them at Anfield, irrespective of what their form is, they're yeah. a pain in the ass, and oh, we've we had that before. Some, we have lost to some shit at Anfield. Yeah, remember we've Neil had, Miller. Yeah, the one he's the one that scored, didn't he? That yeah. Vieira cancelled out that Vieira goal. We played, but yeah, horrible Villa uh, Barros, Marion Milan Barros, or whatever yeah, his name. We played we've some terrible at Anfield and got pesky. Found. They've had some horrible Liverpool midfields, but when it comes to playing them at Anfield, even with our invincible team. They were never an easy team to play, I guess. In fact, yeah. we've probably got one of the worst records away from home in the Premier League era. So um, I, I I can never, ever... You can never really put that down to form. And that attack is... But I go to all the points. We're a lot harder to break down. A lot harder. And I think Rice but, in there and... Uh, are, I, I don't think... That's, the, that's the big difference, though, right? In it, the, That is the big difference. The big difference is Declan Rice. He is, but did Saliba play the last game? He didn't play, did he? In Anfield, was he injured? Was uh, that when? Yeah, he was. He, yeah, that's or did he play? Because that was when Kivior came on, wasn't it? Yeah, no, he didn't play. He didn't play at Anfield because he got injured against Fulham before we went. Right. So I think if we have our defence there with Rice there, I think you've got a different game because he did play in the home game against it. And um, so yeah, yeah, Rob it, Holding, it's... Rob Holding played, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he did indeed. Um, um, but him. I think um, that game and Villa are going to be very interesting matches. Um, so, yeah, some, some some great great things to look forward to in terms of uh, terms of the Premier League fixtures. Just the... I uh, I really want this Villa win. I do. Yeah, me I too. Just think, I think Emery's getting. Um, you know, I I respect him a ton as a manager and in everything. This isn't like a throwing shade or anything, but I did I you, uh, I really really did want you this watch Villa. Did you watch the Spurs Villa game? I no, saw the stats. I, a little I bit did. Of it, I watched it. I saw they Mate, were all over was, them, right? It was fucking mental. It was the, yeah. Tottenham should have been eight four up at half time. It yeah. was it was an Unai Emery masterclass. Tottenham had three Mashing goals. Disallowed. They had three goals disallowed, 
and they should have had nine or ten. Now Villa should have had five or six themselves, but it was it was unbelievable. I think Spurs had like twenty eight shots or something, and and Villa had twenty one, something ridiculous like that. It was peak Emery. That mm. that doesn't hold. We know that doesn't hold up. If they play against us the way they played against Spurs, and they won't, I'm sure they won't. But if they did play that way against us, the way they played against Spurs, oh my God, I, I would. I, I'm here for it all day if they want to play like that. I I I think they're um. You know they do have some some dangerous players. I think that Diaby is excellent. Um, yeah. Bailey can yeah, be a threat. Yeah. I know yeah. he was a bit of a threat when we played them. Watkins is obviously in a bit of form. Um, but McGinn's playing. McGinn's playing well again. McGinn's he, playing really well. But their de- their defense is for the taking. I mean, you've got Pau Torres is pretty decent, but you know Conza yeah. Cash. Um, what's his name's uh, definitely an error or two. Digny or whatever Digna. Um, so I I think they definitely can be exploited. Um, and like you said. We're going to be playing against a team that's not going to have a lot of possession of the ball. We're going to be the ones with that. So, um, I, I, I'm definitely beatable. Yeah, and, and you're not you're not as worried about that. You remember last year at some point we were having problems with just a long ball over the top, and yeah. I think Saliba's really grown up over the last year. Like I think he's a different player now to what he was a year ago. Saliba, mm. he's I think he's bigger, um, and he doesn't get bullied the way you remember how Tony bullied him. At the Emirates, mm-hmm. I don't think yeah, he'd yeah. do that now. I, don't, I just don't think he'd do that now. I think that was that was then, and this is now. So I'm a lot less worried about that ball over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. You know, I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, just just recently today, I was I was taking the dog for a walk, and I, I man, I got really hung up on the 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 Chelsea and Fulham results, you know, and just thinking about if we could have gotten those wins, you know, being four more points clear. And I, I know this is a easy trap to fall into, you know, every season, but it's like, we really should be uh, a little bit more ahead than we are right now. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, the, the good thing about the Chelsea result is everyone else is fucked up there as well. Liverpool drew there and Man City drew there. So it's kind yeah. of a wash. Um, Rice going off at half time against Spurs in a game that in the end we were we should have been four one up at half time and we're probably lucky to come out of it with a point. Um, so that one I can kind of you know push away. The Fulham one is obviously very very frustrating. Um, but you know you can always look at that. Always, yeah, look at been. I, I just think to get to this point, we are going to start December top of the league again. It, it's not a fluke. We did it last year and we're back here again. So I, I just think it's I think getting to this point of the season. I'm happy with where we are at. And, and I say this amazing, we've beaten the champions. And I think that yes, is a that's big huge. difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would have won last year if we did it. Yeah. Massive yeah. Oh, psychological. Yeah. If we would have beaten them at, yep. the, at the Emirates in February, yep. we would have won a title. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I think now we're seeing where the difference is between this team and that team. That team maybe just had a little bit more naivety yeah. to it. it was a little well, bit and more we warmness. knew that when we went to the Emirates, we were going to get beat. Last year, uh, the eight he had, we were going to get beat. Yeah. We knew. Yeah, it. especially this with year. Holding. This year, I don't see a surrendering yeah. like that. No, no, and and I also feel more confident going to Anfield. I feel more confident against the other teams that we're playing. I just feel that there's a solid S that we've not had. Yes, there needs to be more improvement in our attacking line, but people forget we've got a goal difference of seventeen. Cities is nineteen. 
So it's not that tragic, is it? It's not that much of a difference. We just maybe are not seeing the free-flowing Arsenal we saw last season, but we're definitely seeing a very difficult Arsenal to play again. uh, You know what, though? I think that that can be seen as a positive too, because, I mean, the one player I think that hasn't got going at all this season is Gabriel Martinelli. He's had a couple of decent games, but I think he's got two goals in the last 18 games or something like that. And Even Odegaard. Really? Yeah, we well, Odegaard started the season on fire, though, didn't he? Odegaard was really good, and then he got that injury that he was playing with. He got that hip injury. Remember, he scored like three in the first four games. Oh, was, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, he was it's, going it's well, biased. and then he got that yeah. hip injury, and I think that that slowed him down some. And then he got the concussion and that. But I, I just I think Martinelli is the one that he's just not scoring enough goals. He's, he's just not. Like, Saka is getting a goal or an assist every single game. Martinelli is just not scoring enough goals. And I think it's because that left-hand side of the pitch isn't really working properly at the minute. Mm. But when that happens and we start firing... Because Martinelli is still going to get 15 goals this season. They're just all mm. coming late. <laughs> Save them up. I'm fine with that. So I think there is... I think there's there's... Whereas last year, when we looked at Spurs with Conte and everyone saying, well, wait till they start playing well. And we're all going, but they're at their ceiling. Like, this is as well as they're going to play. They're not getting better. We are not like that because we have seen what these players have got to offer. We've got 15-goal Martin Odegaard, 15-goal Bakosaka, 15-goal Gabriel Martinelli, and 11-goal Gabriel Jesus that missed half the season from last season. Do you know what I mean? We know these players are going to fire. It's just a matter of when. So I think that that is a positive that we haven't shown anything like our best form because you know what? Man City don't show their best form at this start of the, at the start of the season. Our good teams no. never showed their best form at the start of the season. We used to go on runs starting in December or January. That is where we are, and we are doing it from a point of strength this year. Yeah, and the scary thing about City is that you've got to make sure you're ahead before they go on that you know 20-game win streak at the end of the season. But, I mean, if we can make sure we I- are... And- I, I think Justin, that's a that's a really interesting point, but I I don't know if that's going to be the case this season. I I'm, I have my doubts about City because I feel they've been found out now a few times. Yeah, I remember before. last season at this time though, we had the same doubt. They've got more points this year than they had last year at this point. So yeah, but I think the competition is there more as well. I mean, they they've looked. I, I have to say, I thought Liverpool exposed them. Um, they were they were leading that pretty comfortable, but they let them in. And I think defensively, they did they did make impressed. a mistake. But I thought City dominated that game. Like, yeah. they have a I mean, Liverpool were lucky too. to be in it. Yeah. They have a single point of failure more than we do in in Rodri. If Rodri goes down, yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, they're a completely different team with and without him, uh, yeah. more so than. Uh, I'd say any one player for us. Yeah, it's him and him and Haaland because that team has has completely changed to play with Haaland. Yep. Like that, the whole system has evolved and changed the mm. whole style of play yep. to fit Haaland. And I think without Haaland, I know Alvarez is a good player, but he ain't early in Haaland. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. true. All right, lads. Well, thank you very much for that tonight. We'll uh, we'll leave it there, and we'll be we'll be back at the end of the week, and we'll we'll talk about hopefully sealing top spot in the Champions League group. And uh, looking forward to the weekend. So, lads, have a good week. Justin, take care of yourself and make sure you get everything packed up. Don't forget one of the dogs or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I'll do my best. It was nice to have the uh, the the trio back together. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we'll probably do something end of the week, right? For Yeah, for yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, we'll, we'll do something okay. at the end of the week. So. And Justin, okay. make sure make sure you catch a plane. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, you know what? Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go on this. We'll <laughs> go on this another time. Justin actually missing his flight to Holland, which was uh, which was quite <laughs> hilarious for everyone except Justin and his wife, who 
didn't didn't kill him. So well done, yeah. Mrs. Justin, for for not stabbing him in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah, be determined. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to There's be determined. There's still time. <laughs> All right, lads. Well, thank All right, you guys. Um, All right, and, cheers. Uh, we'll, we'll be back on it later in the week. See you later. Yeah, have a good night. Cheers. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody.